as I look through your guys' website, you know, the the idea of storytelling and dynamic NFTs seem to be labeled throughout the entire site. Obviously, also with your partnership with Seneca, building on this idea, why is storytelling and the dynamic nature of it so important to the growth of this industry? And why has Transient Labs decided to emphasize this throughout multiple areas of your guys' operation? There's so much more to art than just what it looks like. There's a story behind each artist, each creator. There's a story of how a piece was made, the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into everything that goes into you know, ultimately what's minted. And so highlighting that is is so critical. You look at the trad art space and that's really what brings value. So we're just trying to help put that, you know, kind of on chain in a way, right? And think that creating experiences for people is something that's really fun. You know, people always talk about how they experience art. And so if we can enhance the experience for a digitally native asset, like that is something really special. Yo! Welcome to the show, everybody. We are here for a very fun spaces, something a little bit different today from our traditional Bitcoin and Doge party conversations. I am here with a amazing lineup of guests. Uh, on the live stream, I have Ben Strauss and Marco, who are two of the co-founders of Transient Labs. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. They promoted a I don't know if they called it like a completely digital conference recently that had a lot that was very uh, trending. And so they've been in the news. They've helped uh, create something called the ERC-7160 standard alongside Chris as well, who's their COO. And all of this is built for Seneca, who is building a project utilizing this. So we are... Man, we have an action-packed stage. We have Jen on stage, uh, Chris from Emblem Vault, and Dogfather, one of our regular co-hosts. Man, first I want to pass it off to Jen. I just want to say hello, my fellow co-host. She's managing the stage with me and helped bring this all together. How are you feeling today? Oh, I'm just excited to hear all of the ways smarter people talk about this because I truly think it's one of the coolest things in Web3 and something that's so necessary for creators um but yeah i really appreciate you guys getting into it yeah yeah absolutely uh, adam who's a regular co-host could not make it today he's down in costa rica where he's from um at some sort of crypto conference so uh chris who is one of the team members at emblem man how are you feeling today amazing outreach i think we're gonna have a very good crowd Hey, hey, yeah super excited about today's show it's definitely something that's totally necessary in the industry and I feel like a lot of creators just can, it really opens up the door for so many different possibilities. So super excited to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. So here on the live stream with me, I have Ben and Marco. Uh, ben, we'll start with you, man. Just want to say hello as one of the co-founders of Transient Labs. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here and excited to get into the the details and the, have some nerdy conversations over 7160 and kind of the impl implications and the use cases and yeah, what's coming up here. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Marco? Just want to say GM to you. Hey, GM. Thanks for, thanks for having me here. Um, yeah. Likewise, excited to talk about 7160 and Project with Seneca and all good nerdy stuff. Yeah. And for those that are watching the live stream, we'll be uh, following along, we'll be pulling up some some documentation and some of the stuff that's on the internet about 7160 that, um, and then we will dive into the conversation. 
Uh, Chris, who is also one of the team members of Transient Labs, just want to say hello to you. How's it going this morning? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Last but not least, Seneca, uh, GM to you. How are you feeling this morning? GM, I'm so excited to be here. Um, it's truly some exciting days coming up. But uh, yeah, thank you for having me. And hello to my great partners here in the space, Transient and Jen. Love you all. Yeah, absolutely exciting time to be here. Uh, best way to start this off, man, uh, I'll, I'll present the, the question to you, Ben. Uh, just give us a brief explanation. What is Transient Labs? Uh, you've been in the news recently on kind of a variety of technical uh, innovations and ideas. Uh, can you just package up what Transient Labs is in a few minutes for everyone in the crowd? Sure, yeah. And I'll let Marco fill in if I forget anything. But just kind of high-level Transient Labs is an innovation platform. And, and an innovation ecosystem for not only creators, but also collectors in, in Web3. So, you know, I might overuse the word innovation here, but it is kind of what we're known for doing and pushing boundaries, um, building upon very familiar standards like 721 and 1155, creating creator sovereign contracts and tools, but taking it a step further or a thousand steps further in some cases really kind of unlocking the power of nfts as a as a tech and smart contracts as a technology and so we we started as a primarily as a services business doing a lot of white glove kind of collaborative production studio stuff which we definitely still do and uh the demand was was there early on um and so it was clear to us that we really wanted to not just limit the tech that we're building to to the few collectors that are creators that we can work with at a given time and so it became clear that we need to productize all of our innovations so it really became and it is like our goal and the challenge to to productize bespoke technology and and release it to the you know on a much bigger scale so that users can create their own um or deploy their own creator sovereign contracts but using transient labs dynamic contracts dynamic art mint pages auction pages and all sorts of stuff that i'm sure we'll get into yeah, as I scroll through the website, you can see here, uh, first thing you see says build something different, and then you scroll down and you have a, a no-code kind of platform for deploying your own ERC-721, 1155, there's a build kit, payment splitter, uh, a story contract, so you guys are definitely um, on the cutting edge and helping people like myself who are a no-coder really um, find your our, our type of expertise or interest within you know, the crypto space. Um, I, I'm unsure which person of the three I will present the question about ERC-7160. So uh, after this question, whichever one of you three between Chris, Marco, and Ben, I'll let you take this. But, you know, it's it's not... We see a lot of, I guess, EIPs being proposed, people trying to change um, the way that NFTs are being experimented on. And this dives into the realms of you know, royalty enforcement to like, this one with metadata extension to a, a variety of mechanisms. 
take us through um, the original ideation of ERC-7160 and why um, it's important to have this uh, type of standard move and be adopted. Yeah, I can probably speak to that since I'm one of the co-authors on this uh, ERC. So, yeah, ultimately, some of the history comes from, uh, I guess, a few different drops that we've done over the course of the like our careers in Transient Labs. Um, but primarily after we did the doppelganger drop with Patrick Amadon, um, if you're not familiar with that contract, we, we built a contract that essentially is like a, another take on an addition where you can swap out the metadata for any number of uh, other, I guess, metadata options on the contract. So, um, you know, right now on Patrick's contract, there's probably, I don't know, I think more than 10. Ben, you, you have more insight into the exact number that are on there. But uh, if you visit the OpenSea collection, you can see just how many different like versions there are right now. Um, and so this is what kind of sparked it, this idea of like, you know, Patrick here is using it almost as an artist subscription token. So he's sold a bunch of them, I think 256, yeah. Um, and is continually adding metadata to the array that collectors can choose from for eternity. And this idea of a collector being able to really like do something new with their ownership of a token was was really interesting. And so it kind of got me thinking on like, how could we do this on a token level? Um, you know, I'm thinking of like a one of one that evolves over time. Um, or maybe an artist works collaboratively with a collector to change something about the art. Um, you know, on our normal contracts that would require like a, a metadata update that the collector approves. But we're like, what if you wanted to keep that history on chain and still like selectable and queryable? And so that's what kind of birthed 7160. And we just happened at the same time to be kind of uh, working on a similar idea to OXG, who's the other co-author on the ERC standard. And so we, we joined forces on how do we standardize this? Um, and so, yeah, that, that's really what, what birthed it. And then, you know, there was a few months of discussion on like really what the best kind of interface for this on-chain is. Like OXG and I had a bunch of discussions of like, how do we balance what you can do on-chain with what marketplaces can see and how the like infrastructure across the NFT ecosystem really can be impacted by these seven, uh, these ERC standards. Um, and so ultimately we are now in like the last call for review will be a final ERC here in like a week and a half or so. Um, yeah, we, we came up with this interface for attaching essentially multi metadata to a multiple piece of metadata to a single token. Yeah, I have here pulled up the uh, Ethereum magicians, which I assume is where um, all the conversation uh, takes place. It looks like the first submission was on June 9th of this year. And just some of the things that you've noted of why this ERC-721 metadata implementation may be useful. It says a token represents a collection or cycling of assets with individual metadata, on-chain history of revisions to token metadata, dynamic and evolving metadata, collaborative and multi-artists and tokens. As you look through the pull request, right, there's a bunch of different types of conversations. 
And just, you know, maybe just to satisfy my curiosity, uh, how difficult is it to get uh, an EIP then implemented as an ERC-20? Take us through that experiment and maybe some of the the hurdles that you've had to overcome, or if it was just a completely simple process. Um, please elaborate on that. Yeah, I think I would say it, it was maybe a little easier than I expected, but it, you know, you can see it started in June and now it's November and it's being finalized. So there's a duration of time, uh, rightfully so, where you're getting feedback from people. So like the Ethereum magicians uh, discourse here um, forum, we got a bunch of feedback from community members like across the gamut in terms of like what they're working on, different viewpoints, which is really helpful um, when you're crafting an EIP because the whole goal of this was to create something that you know, isn't necessarily like proprietary technology. Like uh, there's this standardized interface that OpenSea, Foundation, SuperRare, whoever, whatever marketplace, DAP could look at and see like how to interact with these tokens. Um, and so it, it was just really good to get that feedback. And so the, the uh, we've gotten this asked a few times. The number is automatically assigned when you create the pull request in GitHub. So like <laughs> I didn't come up with 7160. Even though I actually do like it quite a bit, it kind of rolls off the tongue pretty nicely. Um, it was just serendipitous, I think. But yeah, you can see here that we were looking at other standards that have been somewhat proposed, like uh, five seven seven three and stuff like that. So a lot, all the ERCs or EIPs that are eventually like finalized go through this months long process because you get the feedback and even. G and I were talking just on Discord separately from what you read there about like all the different things that like viewpoints that just that I had and then he had some really good uh, input as well. I was like, oh, I didn't think of that. So it was really fun. And so you go through this process where you propose it, uh, talk with the Ethereum kind of group, get it implemented as a draft. Then it goes into like the review stage, then last call, which that's where it's at now. And then it'll be finalized here. Um, on the 27th. Um, yep, right here. So on here, a little bit of explanation. It says it requires EIP-165 and EIP-721, which we are familiar with as ERC-721. Yeah. Uh, what, what is EIP-165? 165 is a on-chain like interface specification so that like uh, you could query a contract and see like, hey, this supports the ERC-721 standard or hey, this supports the ERC-7160 standard. And that's like a on-chain, I guess, specification that like would allow like contracts to call each other um, in like a nice formal way to know if they can even call a function uh, on another contract. So it's something that's pretty standardly used across um, all the ERCs now. So like you'll kind of see that pretty much everything like relies on that. So like the ERC 721 standard requires that as well um, under the hood. So like, you know, by requiring 721, we require 165. Um, right. And right here, well. right here in uh, right here in the bold, it says under the specification, the multi-data or multi-metadata extension is optional for ERC 720 contracts and is recommended to be used in conjunction with ERC 4906 standard if implemented. I believe that has to do with uh, automatic data refresh 
Uh, so diving a little bit deeper and maybe some people will be turned off by the technical stuff of this, but <laughs> how important is ERC 4906 and metadata meta refresh in, you know, an NFT that's going to have mul multiple metadata URIs? Um, you know, I don't think it's required. That's why we made it recommended. It's just like kind of a, a nice to have. Um, so like OpenSea, we use this under the hood as well. Like um, a lot of platforms will look at these uh, metadata update events on chain and be like, oh, I need to go refresh uh, the metadata for this token. And so they can kind of like do that preemptively for the user. Whereas if you didn't have that, you would have to go and like request a metadata refresh. And, you know, that just adds friction for users. So the, the whole goal with that was to make it kind of a seamless update process uh, for collectors. And yeah, of course, this is backwards compatible with the 721. So like, um, not all 721s have to have this, but all 7160s have to be 721s. <laughs> so um, kind of like the uh, square and rectangle dilemma. Smart. I, I can tell you working at Emblem Vault, I'm very familiar with needing to refresh metadata. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's become quite, it comes quite a pain in the ass uh, at, right. at times. Uh, the importance of being backwards ERC721 compatible, right? Very important, as we know. Uh, with network effects that adopt anything in tech, specifically stuff in crypto, um, once you have a large user base on top of something, it's really hard to um, change that type of um, you know user kind of mentality um, in reference to this. Uh, in terms of like the token standard and and some of the metadata uh, that's applied on it, if if a token has multiple URIs, what does that specifically mean? Put it as just like as simple in layman terms. Yeah. Um, I guess it's like, uh, you know, what the token looks like can vary based off the collector's choice. So, um, you know, uh, let's just say I'm into token that, is a square and then I add a circle and a triangle as like pieces of metadata. Maybe one day, like I as the collector am feeling like I want to see a triangle on my like token frame that's hanging on the wall, right? <laughs> so I could go select that or be like, ah oh, nah, back to the circle or back to the square. Um and so it's just like this, there's so many use cases. That's kind of what we highlighted in the ERC is that like you could use this for an art piece. You know, you see it all the time at like NFT NYC or whatever like um you only have portrait screens and they can't go landscape but you need to display a landscape piece of like photo or image right um so 7160 could allow you to put different crops up so that it can actually be displayed properly on any screen you have and this is super nice for the collector too because they might not have a square or a horizontal landscape screen at home um but that's just like one example of a use case you can have evolving metadata um which is really fun. So like, there's a huge storytelling opportunity there. Yeah. And, and we'll dive into that in a little bit with yeah. um, how Seneca is going to, um, exactly that with, within her project, we will dive into that, but okay. So from, let's say I, I create an art piece I put out, I don't know, we'll just use a, a arbitrary number. I put a thousand pieces to my, um, uh, my storytelling collection and it's a character of a guy. And then all of a sudden I want to put uh, clothes on him or, or change his wardrobe. Is that something too effective of that could utilize this standard? And if I do 
want to change the image, is there a, a gas transaction that happens every time or is it, or is there an off chain component to this? Yeah, you would for sure use the standard. Um, but there, there is a gas transaction in order to save that on chain. Otherwise, uh, you know, I think you lose some of the provenance of it being off chain. Right. Um, so this isn't like a, there's no centralized server, um, assuming that you're using like IPFS or Rweave for decentralized file storage and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so there is a, a gas transaction associated with that, but I do think it's worth it from a provenance and collector security standpoint. Yeah. And, and, and defining metadata to a specific degree, is this, is metadata the image? Is it the description? Is it the title? Um, is it, um, all of these it's combined and more? Yeah, it's all of that combined. So it's the, the JSON kind of structure of how metadata has you know, been defined for NFTs. So title, description, attributes, and more. People have like a bunch of custom stuff that they can add. Cool. And then I guess going uh, even deeper and thinking about, you know, where the future of this can really go. Um, the first limitation that I would think is kind of this adoption model and having other types of marketplaces support it or other types of protocols, right? Because if you if you use a standard and and list it on OpenSea, but OpenSea doesn't support this type of standard, uh, how do you get past that kind of friction point to get that type of adoption? Yeah, so I think that's the beautiful part though is that this is backwards compatible. So like all the OpenSea will show the pinned metadata. So whatever the collector has chosen to show uh, properly. Um, and then, yeah, it's a, it's a matter of, I think for marketplaces getting just users using it and asking for it. Like they, you know, OpenSea needs to see some level of adoption before they spend engineering resources uh, on implementing this. But as this is, you know, a standard, I think the, the beautiful part is that OpenSea could go integrate it into their own C drop contracts or their OpenSea studio. They start seeing adoption. So we're just kind of leading the way. And we have um, our own kind of public facing tool called Launchpad that will support 7160 in the future and is really the place to go explore all these innovations that we're kind of leading on uh, because we can't wait for other people to build it so we're just going to build it ourselves <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a very fair uh assessment here uh chris chris what what do you take on this so far uh 30 minutes in you know um we're exploring this new idea of an erc 7160 um in this in this idea of dynamic nfts um what, what's your thoughts and do you have any questions to propose yeah, it's uh, it's so intuitive and and really so innovative that you know it's something I feel like the market has definitely craved and fills such a big gap into been what's been missing from creators and where the market lives. What was like the biggest hurdle for it to kind of um, take this long to kind of you know sprout? Was it technical implementations? Was it just the community needing to show that they're going to support it? Or, or what were the biggest hurdles? Yeah, I think we spent a lot of time on like the technical interface and implementation and how it really made sense for like the widest audience. Um, you know, we built Doppelganger and we're like, hey, this works for what we need for this drop, right? 
but when you start looking at ERC, like you need to make sure that you take in just like a, a bunch of different viewpoints that maybe you don't think about on a day-to-day -day basis. So that, that was probably the, the biggest hurdle. And then a lot of it is just uh, like, honestly, you'll like forget that, you know, you, we could have gone into last call like a while ago, but we were just like, <laughs> I was traveling, G was traveling as well. So like it ends up just like sitting there and weeks go by when you're working hard, right? Um, so, you know, I'm happy that it's now in last call and will be finalized here. It's kind of a formality at this point, but, um, yeah, I think ultimately just looking at these smart contracts kind of from a more global standpoint, it can sometimes be hard when you're kind of upright in the code all day, every day type of thing. Interesting. Uh, and, uh, if you didn't know, uh, right, I obviously work at Emblem Vault and we're a multi-chain tool. Um, have you, how does Transient Labs think about kind of just this, this multi-chain thesis? Um, even though this is, you know, an Ethereum and ERC standard, um, do you see the, the future of maybe storytelling NFTs and projects and things of that nature um, moving across chains to be compatible? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, you can't just necessarily like rip right uh an ERC standard and go apply it on Tezos or ordinals, right? Um or wherever. Um any other blockchain other than like a Ethereum scaling solution like an L2. Um but I don't think storytelling should just be limited to one chain. It's just a matter of effort and resources to go learn another ecosystem or get, you know, hire people to go look at that ecosystem and um, really go put the effort in there. So, you know, we started out on ETH and have been primarily focused on ETH because that's where our main market is and what we're most comfortable building in, but it's definitely on our roadmap to go explore other chains. And so we, like, we've been building our infrastructure with that in mind um, so that we could go like essentially between ecosystems and apply the same ideas. It'll just look technically different on the code level, but like the idea is really what, you know, we would, keep across all the chains yeah yeah i mean if you want to be on the forefront of innovation you definitely have to keep in mind uh, some of the trends i got one more question then i'll, I'll let dogfather rip on a question as well as i look through your guys's website you know the the idea of storytelling and and dynamic nfts seem to be labeled throughout the entire site obviously also with your uh, partnership with seneca um building on this idea why are why is sort storytelling and um the dynamic nature of it so important to the growth of this industry and why is transient labs decided to emphasize this throughout uh multiple areas of, of your guys's operation yeah i'll let ben jump in but um you know there's so much more to art than just what it looks like there's a story behind each artist each creator there's a story of how a piece was made you know um, the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into everything that goes into, you know, ultimately what's minted. And so highlighting that is is so critical. You look at the trad art space, um, and that's really what brings value. So we're just trying to help put that, you know, kind of on chain in a way, right? Um, and think that creating experiences for people is, is something that's really fun. You know, people always talk about how they experience art and so if we can 
enhance the experience for a digitally native asset like that is something really special. How about you, Ben? Uh, we're going to toss this off to you. Uh, importance sure. of storytelling in uh, in crypto. Yeah, I think uh, Marco pretty much nailed it on the head. But um, you know, we see the value of blockchain for provenance related to, I guess you would call it transactional provenance or ownership provenance. That's been pretty clear from day one. But then what you really started to see just from late 2020 through 2021 for myself personally, as an artist as well myself, that so much of the value of a project or an artwork or just an artist's brand comes from their ability to tell their story. It's not just the sales provenance that gives an artist, you know, a higher floor value. Although that's a big part of it. The story is also another huge component. And it's something that we repeatedly saw, but felt like was underrepresented or at least underutilized. Like the blockchain is not only good for provenance in the terms of transactional history, but you could use the same ledger for recording the narrative, the human level provenance, as we like to say, at Transient behind each artwork and each artist and each NFT. And so you can do this through dynamic artwork that builds a stronger relationship between the collector and the creator, um, which also op opens up an entirely new world for creators to, to innovate. And you can also do this through things like story inscriptions, which is a functionality built into every single transient labs or inherited by every single transient labs creator contract. And that allows creators and collectors to record human provenance on chain tied to that token forever. And so now you get this whole other layer of depth and narrative storytelling, which is hence the name, you know, kind of across the board there that now can live side by side using blockchain technology with the traditional transactional and sales provenance. Interesting. Uh, the idea of human provenance um, is interesting. So you're basically tokenizing kind of the social contract or the social relationship um, between the artist and the collectors. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's one part of it, or just the relationship that the collector has with their own artwork. And you can even do things such as like proof of exhibition where you can store um, kind of provenance that a piece has been displayed at a certain museum or exhibited at a certain gallery. And you can store that in the story mechanic, including like linking out to photographs that prove that it was there. And we could go into examples like that. A few collectors of art creators have already done that with their, with their tokens. Yeah, pro provenance is in interesting. Uh, a few years ago, and st and still to this day, Emblem Vault's a big supporter of of this idea of historical NFTs that I was collecting as well. Going back to, you know, Namecoin stuff in 2011, and kind of this early idea of provenance of tokenization. Uh, it it's really the provenance is one of the most important, uh, I guess, value metrics when it comes to collecting. And I think this is why this idea of like burning assets, whether it's tele burning or trying to 
a transfer value from one chain by burning a token and then re reminting it on the other side just historically has proven to not be able to transfer that type of value although you you are now seeing kind of bridge mechanisms for example things like uh, d gods where they're trying to to uh keep the provenance of the token but then kind of wrap it into the uh or wrap it onto another chain um just one one more deep dive conversation on uh kind of provenance is what what is your kind of opinion on it and and what makes provenance so important between not only the tokenized version of it but the uh the historical nature between of or the relationship between the artist and the collector i think if you if any given artwork just like historically speaking like the mona lisa for example if that thing is void of any provenance um it really is just a painting on a wall, which, you know, can still have value to the viewer at that given moment in time. But um, you're missing out on really the historical importance of that artwork, where it came from, who, you know, who's held it, who created it, what did it mean to both the creator and the collector? And then you can get in more of the monetary provenance that you know you have history that this piece is sold for i mean the mona lisa is priceless but you have history that another artwork sold for you know 3.5 million dollars that makes a huge difference now all of a sudden um and especially if it was sold to a very significant famous trad art collector um maybe it survived a house fire in the 1800s i don't know there's any kind of like historical provenance like that really adds a lot of value and I wouldn't say non-tangible, but I guess you could say a non-tangible depth and value that goes beyond just the visual asset itself. Yeah, very well put. Dogfather, uh, GM2, man, how, uh, what's on your mind? GM, so I'm, I'm extremely impressed by, you know, the new standard and how, you know, to create it and, and push it uh, that the community actually uh, accepts it. So I'm, I'm probably front running the uh, explanation on, on how you will implement it with the Seneca drop. But I mean, uh, talking about provenance and, 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 and timestamps, I mean, how can you assure that you are like the first or one of the first using these, the new standard, the 7160? I mean, do you shoot for being the first or are you rather kind of doing it, you know, um, whatever it takes, you know, time-wise. So, so what is the timeline for, for, for using the new standard? I guess we pose that to, to Marco. You want to take that and then we'll, we'll dive into the project. Is, uh, is this upcoming project with Seneca the first um, implementation of the standard? Yeah, to our knowledge, it is. At least it's a Transient Labs first implementation of the standard for sure. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we're not trying to necessarily, like, I guess uh, the the whole idea of doing this ERC was to to share this idea with the community and really lead the way on, on the idea. But in terms of contract development, uh, we always make sure that our contracts are bulletproof and that, that takes time. So we're not trying to rush the safety or security of our contracts to just, you know, be first on something. Um, we think the idea matters more than the actual implementation potentially. Um, and so 
Yeah, I, I, to our knowledge, this is the first implementation of the 7160 standard as is. Like I said, Doppelganger kind of inspired it to some degree. And, you know, I don't think there's any, you know, totally new idea out there in the world anyways with how many people are on this planet. So I'm sure somebody can pull up a project somewhere that's like, hey, they did this first, maybe not the same exact standard interface, but, you know, same idea. It's like, oh, we didn't really know. You know, you're kind of like in your own bubble when you're building, right? Um, you see some stuff, but it's, it's hard to see everything in this space, especially with how fast it moves. So, um, yeah. Yeah, Dogfather and I have had this conversation many times over the years as we we went back and during the last bull run went and explored, you know, NFTs on Namecoin and Dogecoin and Bitcoin and some of these other obscure ones, you know, before kind of this real boom. You see a lot of trends that maybe are now being popularized in today's current climate, but we're being early explored, you know, in 2014, 15, 16, kind of in those early primitives. But a lot of that comes down to, you know, the collaboration of, of who is partaking in, you know, this type of experimentation, the timing of the market, and um, kind of just the the overall perspective, right? Are you in a bull market? Are you in a bear market? Uh, et cetera. Uh, Jen, uh, what's up? Hey, um, I want to say like two things, because I know I'm getting a few questions in my DMs, and I know we've gone super deep, which was totally the point. Um, of doing this and I kind of want to like recap and simplify for people but one um, just like coming from working on multiple projects with transient labs like not only are they brilliant and literally rocket scientists right but like Ben's an artist and so there's so many things that they think about that truly is like okay how does this add to help creators right like how does this solve for problems that makes everyone's lives easier extend like the needs of artists and so um, yeah, for, and probably reward this, but essentially with 7160, um, you have like your original token, uh, you can add more tokens, but instead all on that same token, you can add new images, right? But with a lot of things where you just see a metadata update, right? So it was like pre-reveal and then reveal, um, all of the options are there forever. And, uh, the collectors will be able to choose which one they want to display at any time. Yeah, yeah I, I, easy way to explain it. First, if you're in the Bitcoin ordinal space, this would be similar to reinscriptions. But it's something that's, I guess, kind of similar but popular is like Jack Butcher's Opepin, where he's continually changing the images. But with this instance, all of those images would stay there. So if Jack had changed the Opepin image 10 times, those 10 images would be there for you to basically choose. You'd have to pay gas fee, but then that would be the one displayed instead of having the uh, the contract owner being the one that's in charge of it. Uh, getting back on storytelling, you know, maybe this is time to where we intersect, you know, Seneca and Transient Labs. Uh, I'll start with Transient Labs first. Is uh, give us the the narrative of the story of of two, you know, two awesome forces. Transient Labs, brilliant nature. Seneca's amazing art and storytelling. Um, how did that uh, come to be as the first project? to implement ERC-7160 from, from our understanding. Yeah, we were just funny. We were just talking about this with uh, Seneca and our team yesterday, and it was very synergistic. And um, I forget the word Seneca used. She could probably remind me. But um, I can't remember the exact date. It must have been... Oh. 
then I got I got a, a reminder, if you will. <laughs> okay, yeah, go for it, Chris. Um, so yeah, when Seneca's team first reached out, we um were excited to to talk. Had seen nothing, so no art, no theme, no story. Um, and one of the first things that Seneca said when we when we talked was that um she wanted to kind of change the narrative about speculation. And she wanted this collection to be representative of the art. And, um, and, and so to accomplish those things, like one of the things she talked about was the idea of holding an artwork would allow it to grow. And um, so as we started exploring the, the idea of this collection being chapters in a story, and then the longer you hold pieces, the more that they grow, like, um, it, it became really clear that there was, um, uh, an opportunity for us to deploy the, you know, the first instance of 7160 for us, um, uh, with this project, it, there were so many things that fit together, um, that we just felt like this, this had to be the way we do it. And, um, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, if thousands of people, um, get to experience what it means to actually custody and appreciate the work. And I think that's one of the reasons we got excited about this. So Chris, take us through the the creative conversation of that. What is that like in the room where you have a, you know, a technically savvy team and an artist and a creator that wants to do a project? How does that, how does that get off the ground? Um, well, if you spend a little time with Seneca, you'll, you'll realize quickly that, just like, like one of the most like thoughtful and deep thinking creators that I've ever worked with, um, and has so much uh, understanding of what she wants to see, how she wants that to be executed, and um, it's not always that way for us. Like sometimes we get to you know sort of like flex our creative muscle. We get to like you know break some rules think of ideas and and what was amazing about working with Seneca is she was like she had a very clear vision for this and so um by really aligning with that vision and then just building against it was um was really not not all that difficult i think we also understand each other pretty well um and we've i don't i don't know if if you guys have seen like as the project has come to market it, there have been things like trailers and 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 previews and um like even down to uh the original score for her um for these previews like the way that a voice is modulated <laughs> in the, in the audio of um of the the movie trailer i would encourage everybody to look at the first one and um like she knew exactly what she wanted that to sound like and so when there's that much definition around somebody's creative output, it's fairly easy to execute against. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're, we're lucky. Yeah. It's interesting. So last, last night, I believe NFT now had posted, I believe the first kind of review of, of the project and, you know, Seneca is actually unfamiliar with, with your work uh, prior to this conversation, but I did spend a bunch, a handful of hours really researching you know, your storied past and kind of where uh, the story of you comes from with, with lucid dreams and the focus on eyes. And as I was reading this NFT now, 
uh, write-up, it sounds like you've been thinking about this idea for quite some time with the storybook charm, and you have three specific characters, um, which are all uh, incredibly drawn. I'd present this question to you is uh, just from your side, like what is the the origin story um, of this project and how long has you been ideating um, on this before um, deciding to go through and using Transient Labs as kind of the technical partner? Yeah, um, appreciate you reading the article. I think it's, it was a great feature. Thank you to NFT Now. But yeah, this series uh, I think has been a long time coming. Um, it's my newest body of work and probably my first larger experiment in the space. And I had really been taking my time trying to understand what these tools mean to me in my work, just because I come from a very traditional background of illustration and animation and visual development. And I wanted to challenge myself to bring something new that was really importantly authentic to me and that it welcomes the new technology and, and has a interesting voice in the space. Can Tell us a little bit, what are the importance of these three characters in this NFT Now article? This is almost half of it. And uh, it, I don't even know how to describe it, but if you're watching the live stream, you could see or check out the article. Uh, tell us um, the, the stories behind these three characters. Yeah, of course. So... Uh, Parallel of Say Say, you know, begins with inspirations from Freud's theory of the human psyche. And I wanted to challenge myself to take abstract concepts and create tangible visual designs that demonstrate those concepts and uh, have them in my voice. So you have the id, the superego, and the ego. And um, I created these characters named Arachne Catechus, Shermicus, and Sophos. And yeah, those are how I depict that abstraction. Um, and the inspirations stem from childhood experiences, animation, self-reflection, and Shermicus was somewhat inspired by a character named Shermy, whom I found his way into my work. Um, if you know, you know. <laughs> And it, it is quite, quite interesting. And just uh, honestly, I have to say, first pleasure to meet you and, and reading your story, man, there's a lot out there. It's, uh, it's very, very uh, unique and, and, and insightful. But uh, we'll dive in a little bit deeper. Um, I know there's still a bunch of lore and mystery around this. So as I ask these questions, um, feel free to, to share what would you feel publicly uh, would like to announce. Uh, th there's this, there's a there's this unique idea about, sorry, Jen, were you saying something? Oh, I was going to say quickly, too, um, each character was kind of introduced with a video and some of the lore. So I have pinned those at the top of the space. Um, definitely watch the videos with the sound on uh, after we're here. But there's a ton of clues and Easter eggs for everyone to stay busy with. It's one, it's one thing I've noticed as I was reading uh, all the articles online uh, about Seneca, about lucid dreams and kind of this idea of mystique. It's captured my attention in terms of this, the dynamic storytelling nature that exists on chain. Uh, how, how do you imagine kind of this, this project uh, going? Is it something that is just art art pieces for people to purchase um how wh what is that dynamic nature that is unique to this project um that you believe will captivate um the audience yeah so for perils um the series structure is a non-linear multi-chapter abstract narrative 
with unique timelines. So because it's generative and there's a time aspect towards it, it sort of breathes life into the story and basically invites participants to engage and create their own narratives within the story. And it it should keep challenging and pushing my viewers to analyze and emotionally connect. I believe that when I make artwork that the viewers' pers perspectives are just as important as mine. And that's what I was trying to achieve with Perils. Um, basically, so when you collect an artwork from the series, you're collecting a page from the story where that unique moment is, uh, is only uh, existing um, in that one timeline. And the the NFTs that are going to be created from this, are they .jpegs, are they MP3s, are they MP4s? Um, is there going to be a, a wide, large variety of it? Well, for now, they're just PNGs, I believe. <laughs> or wait, are they JPEGs? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, they're they're static images, but I, you know, I won't say for certain right now, like how it may evolve in the future. Who knows? We'll see what life it takes on. But you're you're basically collecting a painting, right? A, a slice of the story. And this is the beauty of seventy one sixty, right? It's like you don't have to have all the updates for the future, like done the day that it mints, right? You're able to add on to that forever, which I think is a, I don't know, it, it changes the way that all of us can interact with it. Yeah, Seneca, what type of, of feelings um, are you hoping that those who participate in this um, are enacted by? Is it a feeling of, of mystery, um, triumph, happiness, et cetera? Oh, it's all of it. I encourage all kinds of feelings, but ultimately it was inspired by my collection of animation cells. And when I collected those, I had this feeling of preciousness and I hold that feeling very close to me with all my of my work. And so you're like, this is my moment and mine alone and nobody else has it. And that's what I wanted to, to present here. And uh, I guess I've been seeing some of the reactions uh, being like, oh, this is kind of spooky. And it makes me a little unsettled, but really interested. So um, any kind of reaction is a, a win for me, I would say. Yeah, I would say that's a, it's definitely a win as well. Going into kind of your background, um, it seems like it was, it was emphasized a lot through all of the the research that I that had done on you. Uh, what type of impact of you know growing up, and um, are there any types of, of experiences or situations from from your past of growing up here that you've um, presented through this project specifically? Yeah, I think um, it's the whole nature of story building and storytelling. Um, as a kid, I was really anxious and shy and withdrawn, and I had almost preferred to participate in in my imagination rather than reality. So um, because of that, you know, I, through music and daydreaming and lucid dreaming, <laughs> that I created these worlds that I wanted to live in and characters that I wanted to embody. And um, that's only brought me through my whole life and my career. and. Uh, I really love it. Yeah, it is very, very exciting. Um, it's it's funny as we as we uh, posted and marketed the the show yesterday, the Emblem account got a, a handful of messages, people just asking about 
uh, kind of the logistics of the project. Um, so and whoever is on stage has it would like to present any other information is that possible of, of a, either a mint date or the cost, um, any of those logistics? So it will be at the end of the month. Um, obviously, like the token standard is in last review. We think there is like a final date, but we'll announce it. It will be announced enough in advance. There will not be a surprise mint. Um, definitely make sure you have like Twitter notifications on for Seneca as well as are in her Discord. Um, same with mint price because, you know, we are so back and then maybe today we're not. Um, but because ETH has been moving, uh, just, you know, we are going to announce all of that closer too. Um, but there will be more information and you will know enough in advance. There's 2,880 tokens. Sounds very specific. I'll also open up the floor if anyone wants to ask a few questions. We do have uh, maybe 10 or 15 more minutes here if anyone would like to come up on stage and ask. Um, just May I say something? Please. Yeah, I, I can't um, finish my, my intro perils without speaking on how much I've loved working with Transient Labs. Um, I need to emphasize that it didn't just feel like partnering with a typical dev team, but rather working with artistic partners. Um, they are artists, designers, musicians, and creative producers with good taste. So that made the job so much easier and, and really felt natural. And Chris, I believe the word you were trying to remember was serendipitous or Ben, you were trying to remember that word. But honestly, the partnership just felt right. And they are true heads of innovation. I'm so blessed to be um, with them on this project. Interesting. So uh, one question, I'll have one question, then I'll call on Chaz, who just joined the, the stage. Uh, how did that relationship form? Did you did you reach out to them? Was it kind of a, maybe somebody set you guys up to, to work with each other? Sounds like it was a very matrimonious uh, type NFT project, which is going to inspire um, a lot of interest. Yeah, I, I found my way to Transient um, through my team and we're looking for people really trying to build new tools and challenge the space in, in terms of innovation. And it just, it felt right. It, it landed. That is, uh, yeah, that is really, really awesome uh, to hear. Um, so I'm, I'll get a few questions. If you, if you have a question, shoot me uh, a DM just so I could, so we make sure no one's coming up here and um, engagement farming, it tends to happen quite often. So um, yeah, just shoot me. A DM. What's up, Jen? Oh, yeah, no, I was just saying um, there's a bunch of uh, questions in the comments as well. So if you can't come up, um, feel free to post them there. Yeah, yeah, I'll read, I'll read off some of them um, as well to begin with. But I'll, I'll ask this one before I start looking through um, some of the questions. Uh, Seneca, I, maybe this is even a little bit more outside of your purview and project, but um, over the last year, you know, the NFT space has gone through, you know, a lot of trials and tribulations. Some of your past works and communities have also gone through that as well. Um, what's your what's your outlook of just the NFT space over the last two and a half years as you've been participating in it? And uh, where, where, what's kind of like your, your future um, expectations of it? I have no expectations, but just treating it like how I've been treating my artistic career where I'm in a new roller coaster of this world called web three. And 
I'm taking my projects step by step and seeing how I can evolve with with each um, output of a body of work. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, I wouldn't be here if I didn't think it was cool. Um, I'm a big champion of the digital arts. I've been doing that prior to when NFTs existed, so it only felt natural to me. And what made me believe in the space was the great artists and creators that still live here, regardless of how the market is doing. So I think my advice here is to focus on those who are making great things and and see it through. Awesome. Huh. So- so here I'm gonna. Oh, sorry. Was really gonna... quick. I just uh, I know Marco had a heart out at 11:30, so I don't. Um, I'm not. I don't have the stream up at the same time. I don't know if he's still in there, but just wanted to give like a thank you because it's so cool to hear from someone who's actually like a co-author on this, and I know that that was really amazing. So yeah, thank you, Marco. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I can stay on for like five or ten more minutes, um, but if I have to dip just know that i really appreciate you coming on here but I'll, I'll try to hang around for some more questions so that you know cool, yeah i'm never, 71 60 yeah yeah i'm gonna run i'm gonna run through a few of the questions if you if anyone has a question instead of calling on stage just post in the comments um so that we can respect everybody's time one question here it says question for transient labs as well as seneca fascinating hearing the what and the how really curious as to your why why do you bring the things you bring to the market transient what drive Transit, what drives the need and the desire to innovate? And then Seneca will ask you after this, what drives the need to create so intimately and share so deeply? So we'll start that with Transient first is um, pretty much what's your why? So I was thinking about this yesterday too on a, on another space, like what drives us on a daily basis to push boundaries. And I think I told the host that it, something I would have to like deeply meditate on I don't even know if I've had time. We're always drinking from a fire hose and I don't know if I've had time to really reflect on that myself, but I think it's probably our our own own (laughs) insecurities. I think it's, um, I mean, we've kind of touched on it with, we see these opportunities to, to, to utilize blockchain ledger tech in ways that we haven't seen before and really adding values and experiences to digital artwork in, in brand new and really fascinating ways. Um, hey, some, ben. Yeah, please. Um, this is something we, we talk about like internally quite a bit, but um, like, I, th- I think we're, it's, it's hard to see this sometimes. Like when you're in the middle of, you know, building something or regardless of the analogy you want to use, like when you're in the middle of it, it's really hard to see sometimes what you're actually a part of. And so um, we, we feel like right now what's happening is like a new type of artist or creator is being born or built. And today the tools available to them are so nascent and frankly so limited that there is just an an absolutely enormous opportunity to um to try to bring more new thinking to this like ecosystem and you know i guess the uh Uh oh do we lose do we lose chris oh no i was hoping it was just me (laughs) i'll fix that 
Oh man, Chris. Yeah, I think we I think we lost you, buddy. We'll we'll call on uh, Seneca. I'll present you the the last half of this question, and maybe Chris, if you could, if you can hear me, jump off. Think stage. about oh. what's important to us every day. It's enabling people who build things and make things, um, with the most. Seems he can't hear us. Yeah. All right, Chris. I'm gonna have to mute you here for a second. Uh, Seneca, I'll present you the second half of the question. Was Seneca, what drives the need to create so intimately and share so deeply? I'm so sorry that I have to cut into Chris's beautiful <laughs> answer. <laughs> Hopefully he can come back and finish his thoughts. But, um, but yeah, for me as an artist, um, I believe it's just the creative urge. I mean, um, you can expect as a kid, I had this, this uh, creative itch that I was always trying to scratch. And what that meant was translating emotion into visual communication and kind of asking this question, what are worlds beyond our own? And I'm more fascinated with that than anything. So it, it's, yeah, it's like a natural urge of sorts and challenging myself to figure out skills along the way to, to build that. Amazing. Something too is Seneca is probably one of like the most, not only creative, but like thorough and thoughtful artists that I've ever met. And so a lot of these questions, like there are so many clues um, from like every single word that she tweets is intentional. Um, everything that you have seen from Seneca, like there are so many clues. And so I know there's so many people who have already like immersed themselves within the story and I know we send it like back and forth as a team, like, oh my God, like they really get it, right? And it's like, there's no right or wrong. Um, but yeah, a lot of these questions about the why, I just uh, urge you to go explore because there's so many answers um, that I think you'll be able to find. I agree. So here's another question. I believe this is directed at Transient Labs. Uh, it says, when is the next wave of artist selection? Which I would assume just means like, how, how do they use your standard if they're interested? Yeah, I think this is maybe referring to, uh, we're in like a closed alpha beta for um, our products. So yeah, we're, we're rolling it out very intentionally. Um, and so we should see a, a big wave of people admitted uh, the rest of this year. So um, it'll roll out in, in steps, but um, yeah, uh, I can DM you. I think you just followed me um, on Twitter and and uh, chat more about this. There you go. Barm, bomb Marco's DMs telling him when, 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 and uh, maybe you will be selected um, as the next person to use the standard. Uh, one question, I believe this is probably directed to you, Jen, is, hi, question, is there a process for whitelist? If yes, what are they? Thank you. Um, once again, I will say join Seneca's Discord. Um, there will be allow list stuff, um, but uh, I said yesterday in there, if we can go 24 hours without asking it, <laughs> uh, then, then you guys can get the answer because... There's a lot of really cool conversation going on there. And that's like the least exciting kind. Um, but also the Mint will 100% be making it to public Mint. Like we want to make this as fair as possible. And really like everyone that wants to be involved and be a part of the story, like there's there's ways. And I think that's the coolest part is like 
you know, this isn't in the way I see it. I just, I think it's like so refreshing, right? Because this is such an experience and a story and like, there's just so much conversation around like challenging other people to think creatively and it's been really beautiful what's been happening. So, um, yeah, don't, don't come in the discord just asking when, 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 um, but the whys, those are better and then explore it. Um, and another thing too, uh, we've been closing the discord channel like periodically and there's little like challenges and clues. Um, so if when you join, there's like a message and a challenge, uh, you're in the right place. Nothing's wrong. You're not banned. Um, we just think that everyone should go touch some grass sometimes and, uh, explore, you know, there's, there's a lot with Freud. You got a dream. I'm going to add something here. Um, need to give her her flowers. Jen is truly the best. Like she's been working with me hand in hand and she understands the vision. So, so thank you. Jen. <laughs> Love you. You make it so easy, honestly, like <laughs> it's all Seneca's brain. So you, you guys heard that here first, instead of typing one, 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 say why, 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 and maybe you will get the allow list. Jen, this is actually directed right at you as one of the, uh, in one of the questions, it says, uh, Jen, can you put things into perspective with Seneca's creator royalties experience for BYC respecting NDA and how the fact that oh, Seneca- I literally already answered that. Oh, this doesn't have anything to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, first of all, Seneca can speak for herself, but I think like, this doesn't have anything to do with royalties, right? Oh, like. I feel like personally, I feel like we've really <laughs> over discussed that in this space. Anyone else can say other things, but I think like this, like why I love 7160 is because it's solving a problem that like blockchain inherently can be a solution for, right? Like this is something, I don't know, when NFTs were like first described to me, what 7160 is, is like what I thought it would be. And then I was like, oh, this sucks, but maybe I'll just put a Google Doc and everyone can like leave messages for each other as it like shares, which obviously is not the point. But um, I, I think like this project to me is so much about art and a story and a whole other world. It's not about like flipping and royalties. So um, yeah, I'll let anyone else like add in if they have anything to say, but I, I feel like uh, that's, so far from the important part here collectors only get the get the flippers out of here can't can't escape them but um collectors focus so chaz who came on stage said that, that his question was asked already and i just have one comment and then i'll call on dogfather it seems like everyone is very interested in arachne catechist there's like three or four different replies in in the there specifically for that character so i don't know what I don't know who, but that is obviously the favorite one of today. Interesting. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, uh, that that's coming from Discord. Um, I think the that's that's where a lot of the curiosity is. Um, people are a little bit scared of the other one, which I know. What <laughs> I feel like one of them. Uh, so far, there's a lot of like fear, which I also love. Um, but yeah, I. That's the first one pinned at the top. So definitely go check that thread out and make some guesses. Dogfather, uh, what's on your mind, bro? Yeah, maybe just a closing remark Mark, towards the uh, flipper versus collector discussion. I mean, you have something like dynamic where we can maybe expect an update or some new features or some new kind of like insights from the artists. I mean, what, what kind of 
greater uh, incentive to hold the piece can you have than that? It's way better than just having a drop or whatnot, maybe at some point in time or, or pay some more money for another drop or so, if it's not an airdrop. So that that's really amazing. I, I, I love to see how this experiment is going. It reminds me a bit on what Bitcoin ordinals were creating with reinscribing on the same set, new artwork. So I love all this innovation. I think that's where we have to go. And yeah, I mean, I'm extremely excited to to the drop. And yeah, thanks also for following back uh, from all these legends, artists, and super giga brain deaths. Uh, love to love love to continue uh, seeing what you're building and uh, creating. I appreciate that, Dog Folly. If anyone needs anything on ordinals or analytics, that is the guy to go to. He is your one. But to respect everyone's time, dude, this was an awesome conversation. First, uh, Ben, Marco, and, and Chris, I tried to invite you on stage, but I know you're having issues. Um, I really appreciate you guys for coming on and explaining this. Also, just you know, leading the charge in innovation. Uh, sometimes that really gets lost in this space when speculation is really kind of the first movers. So uh, for both of you and Chris, really appreciate you uh, guys for, for coming on and sharing this information with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Um, it was a pleasure. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, Marco, I might have to hit you up about uh, EIP stuff because I may uh, need some advice. So I might have to shoot you a DM one of these days. Yeah, yeah do it. Thanks thanks for having me on. This was, this was super fun. Um, don't get, often get the chance to talk as deeply about the token standards and all the kind of dev work that we're doing over here. So, you know, I'd love to join again sometime if you have any more questions, uh, <laughs> just on absolutely. anything that we do. Absolutely. I love, I love nerding out, man. And, uh, Seneca first, uh, awesome meeting you really appreciate you for coming on and, uh, really look forward to, um, seeing how the drop goes again, leading with storytelling and unique type of ideas. I think that is the, the right direction to, to lead the space forward. So awesome to see you really leading that charge. Thank you so much and very nice to meet you as well. Um, I just want to remind folks that the artwork you see in the announcement from yesterday is just one out of 2,880. So there's, there's a lot more to reveal and show. I'm really excited for that. And please look out for us at the end of the month. Yeah, thank you. And we didn't get time to talk about this, but I just want to say before we leave, and I'm sure it'll be in, in Seneca's Discord, every collector via the story mechanic we touched on with human provenance um will have the opportunity to leave their mark or marks they can leave as many as they want on their token on chain forever and so um yeah we'll we'll probably share more about that and how that works and how you use launchpad it's um it's a that is beautiful... some big alpha there guys like Everyone searching for clues, that's a huge one, but also a really exciting one um, because, you know, we've seen once again, like a lot, even from the first uh, concept art, so many people wrote such amazing stories. And I think that gives a clue into how this really is a story that all of us can be a part of. Yeah. And then Jen, of course, last but not least, thank you for, for setting this up and appreciate you for, for everything. Um, right. We've gone through the ordinals and this, and uh, you're awesome. So uh, hats off to you um, for setting this up. Appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate it. And I knew you would be the perfect person to be able to talk on the level of Ben and Marco. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you everyone. We'll see you in discord and uh, better questions than when and why, you know, think deeper, think harder.
Think. Or answer them yourselves. Now it's getting boring. Hey, there, there's a lot of mystery out there. For, the, for those that don't know, uh, myself and Chris, we work at Emblem Vault. We trade NFTs. We allow you to trade NFTs across blockchains. We've been around the space for quite some time. We host this show Tuesday through Thursday, generally around uh, 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. Unless we have awesome shows like this, we'll accommodate different times. Uh, we talk about everything between collecting Bitcoin ordinals, art, Dogecoin, um, everything uh, around the sun. So be sure to give everyone a follow up here. Um, everyone up here is really leading the space forward, trying innovative things. That's not just uh, trading, although that is fun. We do like to experiment and tinker. So until next time, guys, enjoy the rest of your Thursday and uh, we'll see you next Tuesday.